man, I love being here. I really, really do. I, I can't say it enough. This is my favorite day of the week. Get to worship God, but we get to worship God together. Last Sunday I wasn't here. Maybe you guys didn't notice, but I took a little vacation. We went up to San Antonio on the way back, driving back on Sunday. I asked my wife to put uh, the sermon. We wanted to see it on YouTube. And as we're driving back, the first things that came out of my mouth was, man, I miss it. I want to be there. It just doesn't feel right. Church, I really do, from the bottom of my heart, consider you guys family. You are my home away from home. And I hope that you guys feel the same way. But you know what? At home, we tend to be a little different than we are at church. At home, sometimes we hang on our pajamas all day. At home, some of us don't take a shower. And I hope before stepping out of your homes today into your second home, you did take a shower. <laughs> what I'm getting at that sometimes, a lot of times, we are not real outside our homes. A lot of times, if we're honest, we're not real within our homes. See, all of us have this disguise that we put on. All of us want to show the world that we're okay. We put on this happy face. When someone asks you, how are you doing, a response, I'm doing good, I'm doing well. But deep down inside, we're hurting. Deep down inside, we're all broken. Deep down inside, every single one of us has guilt, has some sort of shame, because every single one of us is a sinner. I want this church to truly be authentic. I want this church to come to your second home and say, I'm not okay, but it's okay. I want our church to be a church where we can share each other's burdens, we can share each other's guilt, we can share each other's shames and come together as a true family. I'm currently going in, through one of our ministries here at Grace Bible Church that is called Regeneration. And what I realized in my journey is that I am so broken. I'm going to be honest with you, when I first joined this ministry, I said, you know what, I, I know I'm a sinner, but I mean, I'm not that bad. Boy, was I mistaken. See, through regeneration, we get to find out what our true idols are. And we're all idol makers. We all go to something that we depend more than we do in Christ, and you're looking at one. And after regeneration, every single person gets to share their testimony and we call graduation. In a couple of weeks, I'll be sharing my testimony in my graduation. And every testimony begins like this. Hello, my name is Eddie. I am a new creation in Christ. But I am recovering from low self-esteem and fear of men. If I want this church to be authentic, if I want this church to be real, if I want this church to be genuine, it needs to become or start with me. Church, your pastor has really low self-esteem. That's my idol. I'm really concerned what people think about me. I'm concerned on how I look. I'm concerned on how I speak. And I realize now that I run to that. 
and I'm hiding from that. So I do the opposite. I try to be the most popular person at the party, at the gatherings. I try to know it all. I try to be busy, as busy I can be. You know why? Because if people find out the truth, that I'm not a good leader, that I have low self-esteem, I fear, I fear what others will think of me. Now hear me. I am a new creation in Christ. I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, no doubt. But I'm still sinful. And every day I try to recover from that. If anyone has trusted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, they too are a new creation. But we still have to go through our sanctification. And we don't become sinless when we trust Jesus Christ. We tend to sin less. And that's what I try to do every single day of my life. Run to Christ knowing that my identity is in Christ and nothing else. Are you genuine? Can you confess your sin, your guilt, your shame? Because as James says, once you do, you will be healed. Today we're going to look at a conversion, a change in one man's heart. And what I want us to focus on is that this man didn't dwell on his past, didn't dwell on his sin, didn't get stuck on who he was. He looked forward on who he's going to become in the same manner I pray that you and that I do the same. Because if you've trusted Jesus Christ or anyone has trusted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, they are a new creation. They have been converted. Today we're going to finish off our series, Jesus One-on-One. -on -one. And like I said, we're going to look at this one man's conversion. I believe a conversion you're very familiar with. A story that we find in Acts chapter 9 of this man named Saul who later becomes Paul. And three things we're going to look at this morning on his conversion. And what I believe happens in every single conversion. Three things. For every conversion, there needs to be a contact. A contact. There needs to be an encounter with Jesus Christ. And in every single conversion, there needs to be a conviction. You need to realize you're a sinner in need of a savior. And in every single conversion... There needs to be a change. So we're going to see a contact. We're going to see a conviction. And we're definitely going to see a change. So if you got your Bibles with you, go and op open them up to Acts chapter 9. I'm so excited. We finally put the Bibles back underneath the chair. You can grab one underneath there. Or you can follow along on the screen behind me. We will have all the verses as we go on. Acts chapter 9, but let me give you a little bit of context before we open up and start reading God's word. In the previous chapter of Acts, Acts 8, and even before that, we see that the church is growing by the thousands. People are turning to Jesus Christ. Christianity is expanding beyond Jerusalem. It is on fire. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 8, we read that the apostle Philip encounters this eunuch, and the eunuch is reading Isaiah. And Philip says, hey, man, do you know what you're reading? And Isaiah goes, no. And Philip says, man, that's Jesus. Who are you reading about? 
That's who they just crucified. That's who resurrected. And now he's ascended into heaven. And we read that at that moment, the eunuch, after receiving the gospel, boom, he is changed. And he asks Philip, what must I do to be baptized? And Philip says, there's some water. And he's baptized, and we read that immediately Philip disappears, and he goes and shares the gospel elsewhere, and the eunuch goes on rejoicing. Why? Because he has been converted. Right after that chapter, chapter 8, we pick up in chapter 9, verse 1, and this is what it says. But Saul, there's a change there. Every time you see that word, but, there's something different. There's a contrast. So you're reading Acts 8, all this glorious thing. The eunuch has been converted. Philip is preaching the word, but Saul. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, that phrase there or those words, the way, is how they used to refer to Christians back then. As a matter of fact, Christians weren't referred to Christians until Acts 9, and they referred to Christians in the church of Antioch. And before that, reference to Christians was the way. But this guy, Saul, did not like, <laughs> hate it this movement of Christianity. Who was this guy, Saul? Well, we read that Saul was, as he says, is the Hebrews among Hebrews, the utmost Hebrews. He was a, he was a Pharisee, well-educated. He knew the Old Testament like the back of his hand. A Roman citizen. And like I said, he hated this movement, persecuting all Christians Again, in chapter 8, we read that he was ravaging the church. He was literally dragging out men and women from their homes and getting them arrested, getting them persecuted. And since Christianity was expanding beyond Jerusalem, he asked the high priest, hey, I need some permission to go to Damascus because they're spreading out to Damascus. And I want to bring them back because I can't stand, Saul is saying, Christianity. So now we're going to look at the conversion. And it begins with a contact, an encounter with Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse 3. Now as, as he went on his way, now it was probably about a six-day journey to Damascus. He approached Damascus and suddenly, it says, a light from heaven shone around him. In Acts 22 and Acts 26, Paul shares his testimony as well. And in Acts 22, we read the same account, but Paul is sharing. He's saying that it was probably about noontime. So picture this. The sun is really, really shining at noon. And it says there that a greater light above the sun shone down upon him. We read in Acts 22 that he falls to the ground and he's traveling with men and other men fall to the ground as well. And there's this loud voice. The other men traveling with Saul don't understand that voice, but Saul does. There is the contact, the encounter. My contact, my encounter was one morning as I walked into Starbucks. 
And there was these two guys reading their Bible. And I went up to them and asked them, what are you reading? We all have a conversion, and it starts with a contact. As a matter of fact, most of the people's testimonies that I hear, the contact happens when they're down to the ground, when they got nowhere else to go, no one else to run to. So what do they do? As they're on the ground, as, as Saul is knocked down to the ground as, as well, they look up. Sometimes, a lot of times, we need to be knocked down so that can, we can encounter Jesus Christ. So Saul encounters the living God on the road to persecute Christians. The conviction. Verse 4. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. He says his name twice. This implies there's urgency. There's just, this, this implies a rebuke like, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? What is the reason? I love this. Jesus already ascended into heaven. And what he's saying here, when you persecute my people, when you persecute my church, you persecute me. Church, when we trust Jesus Christ, we are united in him. He is the head of the church and we are the body. And Paul later on writes in Corinthians that we're all members of the body. We're united. And when one member suffers, we all suffer. When one member is honored, we all rejoice. That's why Grace Bible Church is a family. And we have Jesus as the head of our family. Now here Jesus goes straight to Saul's heart. He says, you're persecuting me. Do you realize? Do you see the sin that you're committing? Don't you know? And then Saul probably at that moment realizes, I've been denying the Messiah, the true Christ. See, Saul knew about God. He was well-versed in the Old Testament, but he treated God as a religion. He treated God like most of us do, that we have to do something in order, in order to receive his grace. And at that moment, he was convicted. I later met up with these gentlemen that I saw at Starbucks, and he asked me to pray with him. And I don't remember what we prayed, but I remember the conviction. I realized how much of a sinner I was, and I was bawling. And every conversion, you need to encounter Jesus Christ. You need to realize that he is your only Savior. But you need to realize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. There needs to be repentance. There needs to be conviction. It needs to come from the heart. And at that moment, I believe Saul felt it and realized what he was doing. There's a contact. There's a conviction. And then there's a change. The new creation. Verse 5. And he, Saul, said, who are you, Lord? 
And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He realizes the true Messiah. He realizes the true Savior of the world. So Saul says, who are you? Who are you, Lord? And Jesus responds, I am Yeshua. In Hebrew means salvation. The Lord is my salvation. And I believe at that moment, Paul was now Paul. And he was changed. He realized who the true Savior was. One thing. Paul doesn't change his name till Acts chapter 13. He doesn't want to be that person anymore. He is done with that old self. Because at the moment that he is changed, at the moment he realizes who Jesus was, he is a new creation. And I believe he wanted to do away with his past so bad that he changed his name to Paul. As a matter of fact, he later writes, Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Church, that is the good news. That is the gospel. That if anyone puts their trust in Jesus Christ, that if anyone realizes the sacrifice and his resurrection and believes it in his heart that that was sufficient to pay for their sins, they're a new creation. The old has died. Behold, the new has come. That is the change. We're different. We end our verses in verse 6 through 9. Jesus tells Saul, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days, he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Saul. The Hebrew of all Hebrews, Saul, the man who had all the confidence, Saul, who thought he knew it all, is now broken, humbled, blinded for three days, fasting for three days. But the best thing is that Saul has now been changed. And see, Saul, like I said, doesn't dwell on his past. He doesn't stay there. He moves forward. He knows he's still a sinner, but that's not going to identify who he is now. See, all of us, all of us, should not be the men or women we were before. All of us should not be the men or women we are now. All of us need to look forward on who Christ has called us to be day by day, breath by breath. And Saul realized that. 
he writes later on in 1 Timothy chapter 12, he says this, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now check this out, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as a foremost, he says it again, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. My testimony of who I was, Paul is saying, hopefully, hopefully will lead others to Jesus Christ. He moves on. He presses forward. He later writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, brothers, he says, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, I... I can, I can see Paul saying, one thing I do, the most important thing that I try to do every day is forget what lies behind, and I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the price of upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is my goal. That should be your goal, not to look back, but press forward to the goal that is in Christ Jesus. Where are you? I think there's some people sitting here, maybe watching on TV this morning, that haven't had that conversion, that haven't received Christ as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, I pray that you go to him and realize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Believing your heart, not just with your head, that he, Christ, died for your sins. That he's paid the debt. That there's nothing you can do or any of us can do that would merit salvation. It's through faith alone, in Christ alone, period. If that's you, feel his presence. I love what John writes in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. He says, behold, Jesus is speaking. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, he says, open the door. And I love this promise. I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Is Jesus knocking in your heart this morning? Open it. He wants to sit with you and eat with you. I hope it's a low-carb diet. <laughs> my identity, church, my identity. Where are you? If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, are you being held back? Or are you moving forward toward Jesus Christ? Are you holding on to your old self, your guilt, your sin? We all have them. We all have idols. But let's not reflect on that. Let's move forward realizing that we are a new creation. I want this church to be authentic. I want this church to be genuine. I want others to see that we're not okay, but it's okay because we have a Savior that's leading us in the right direction. That's what I want Grace Bible Church to be. That's what I want the family to be. I want a church that others realize that we've been contacted that we have been convicted, and more importantly, that we have been changed. Hello, my name is Eddie. 
I am a new creation in Christ. I'm recovering. It's still a work in progress from low self-esteem and fear of man. Hello, my name is Hilda, and I am recovering from fear of man, anger, and pride. Good morning. My name is Dominic. I'm a new creation in Christ, and I'm recovering from anger, frustration, and resentment. Morning, church. My name is Gilbert, and I'm a new uh, member in Christ. And I am recovering from pride, selfishness, and fear of man. Good morning. My name is Carolina. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from unforgiveness, pride, and control. Hello. My name is Karen. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from issues with control and trust. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, what great news. What great news we read about the conversion of this one man, Saul. I can only imagine if he stayed dwelling on his past. But he moved forward on who he was. This man, Saul, later wrote 13 New Testament letters. Half of the New Testament was written by Paul. This man became one of the greatest evangelists, theologians, pastors anyone has ever known. What a great conversion. But there's a story in every single one of our conversions. Every single one who becomes a new creation in Christ becomes a great, great conversion. Father, I pray that we are like your son, Paul, that move forward. It begins with being authentic, with being real, knowing that we need a Savior and pressing forward to that goal, with this Jesus, which is Jesus Christ. That's your church, Grace Bible Church, but only through your Holy Spirit. We love you, Father. We praise you. We say all these things in your son's name. Amen. Love you, my church family.